Hola. Oh, TJ. Wow. Busy morning. Oh, my goodness. I know. I'm sorry about our workout went a little over. It's okay. I think it was it was a nice pacing for us to get our form correct and really move through it in a, in a good way. Yeah, we, we just finished a, a, a kettlebell workout just a half an hour ago. I had to rush home. I didn't get my smoothie. I mean, it's a little, that part of it really throws off my, my day, but you know, I'm going to be able to what work. What kind of it. smoothie were you hoping to suck down? Uh, I love to suck a Sun Life Wolverine um, <laughs> from over here in, in beautiful West Hollywood. Um, but a wee ho Wolverine is what you what like call- to suck down. That's what they call me on Santa Monica Boulevard, baby. Not, um, not quite a silver fox, but more, more of a, a WeHo Wolverine. I WeHo. If I was a superhero, I would be the WeHo Wolverine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And by superhero, I mean gay man. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, or um, if what, I have what's to, the, what's the hero flavor profile of a of a Wolverine smoothie? Um. I don't actually know. I, they do this. The dates and sounds it, delicious. Like, uh, ha, a ripe banana, almond butter, coconut mana, ice dates. Uh, um, Co- coconut you know, mana. That's what it says. Yeah. What the fuck is coconut mana? I don't know, bitch. You're the food influencer. I know. I know what the word mana means, and I know what coconut is. I've never heard of coconut mana. That sounds like some some sun life. Liberty are you saying, being taken. Are you saying that it could be fake? It's it's CNN. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's fake coconut news, but I think that someone is taking liberties and you know maybe creating their own branded uh, ingredient, perhaps. <clears throat> I think that's called good business. Here, hold on, hold on. I will. Um, I will. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll pull up the receipts right now, loser. Oh shit! Damn, we we put me on the spot. Damn, actually, well, let me open it all the way. Banana, raw almond butter, dates, maca, bee pollen, raw cacao nibs. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably some other stuff, but it's not letting it's me. All it's all in there. Yeah, but what's in the, the what's in the TJ smoothie? There's there's a few, but TJ uh, the similar one that I've been making one one whole young coconut, the flesh and the and the coconut water. Um, maybe about a half cup of raw, um, unsalted almonds, one very, very ripe banana and some ice cubes and then a little bit of honey if, uh, if the banana is not too sweet and then blend it up, baby. That's about as refreshing as it goes. And then also, you know, summertime barbecue, put, uh, you know, a few glugs of rum in there. (laughs) Shit, bro. I really like the term glug to a couple to of rum glugs because i know exactly what you mean by that and that that is that is nice yeah a, gl- a glug is when you you know a, a cocktail might have one shot in it um, yeah and a glug is is not two shots but it's more than one mm, it's a, it's a tj it sounds like you're trying to brand a form of measurement <laughs> that's exactly what i'm doing and Interesting. And, and uh bacardi rum is my mana do you really be tipping the back on the Bacardi? Um, I mean, the I, I've had that I've had that drink one time, maybe a couple of months ago, and it was truly delicious. But no, I, I I don't be drinking rum on the regs. 
I was about to say that, that sounds. I mean, I feel like rum. I never really drank much rum in my time, but it, it, I feel like it's really good. <laughs> that's because it has a lot of sugar in it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just but but Bacardi is the most popular like store brand, correct? Yeah, it is. It's it's a Budweiser of rum, and also it <laughs> rhymes with party, so it really. Mm-hmm. It's been the uh, the subject of a lot of lazy yes. lyricism over the years. Always bugged me. Uh, how does the little Kim song go? Black Barbie dressed in Bulgari buying everybody at the bar Bacardi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And that's, See, that I, was a great, great line, and then it should have ended there. <laughs> what do you mean? The whole song? Or you mean I should have never said that? No, no, no. I mean the collective lazy songwriters of the future. You're, yeah, you're saying Lil' Kim did Bacardi all the justice they deserved and mm-hmm. people need to move on. But but I feel like rum as a beverage has not been like cool guide yet. I feel like there aren't a bunch of small batch rums I hear about. There are, but it's just not big enough to really go on your sober radar. But there is there is a, a pretty strong rum cocktail mixology movement. It has a little bit of it has a little bit tiki? of a, a little tiki like, energy, yeah. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Which I sense. which I feel like is not what what CB is looking for exactly. I actually hate tiki stuff. Um, <laughs> well, what do you know? Well, I, I mean, you don't like it either. I'm sure. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in a few clubs. Sure. No, I mean, I I <laughs> I, I like. I don't really like the tiki culture of it. It is, it is, you know, like steampunk on vacation is kind of the vibe, which is not a, not a great one. Um, the problem, excellent, excellent description of that. The problem for me is so many, so many tiki drinks. They're just, it's just too sweet. It's just like drinking a fucking Jolly Rancher. Even if you have like a very well balanced one made by a pro with, you know, all the right herbal notes and blah, blah, blah. And bitters in there. It's still just so fucking sweet. Interesting. I, I, I don't think I've ever, I bet I drank rum once or twice in my life in an Island setting. <laughs> an island setting i mean you know the vibes bro you know we you know we stay at the beach you know what i'm saying yeah cb um, sucking down a nasty little mai tai no i've i've no but i mean they, the, the thing is they look they're vi- very visually appealing on a hot day i feel like oh yes i mean i used yeah. to i used to drink the adios motherfuckers all the time what's an adios motherfucker it's a long island iced tea but blue instead of brown what when did you drink those when you were when you were at a blue lives matter bar in huntington (laughs) damn uh no when i was when i was doing some underage drinking in the club and i did not know you know oftentimes what goth night was this it was this it was it, it was not not a goth night it was like a goth 80s kind of night. You know, we would go there when we were like 19. We weren't old enough I, to drink and we would have to have older chicks buy us cocktails and we would get the I, audio. I used, I used to do that too, actually. There was a very popular 80s night at, at the Masquerade, a famed Atlanta venue. Um, I think it's a rite of passage for the tra- transitioning from being a hardcore straight edge bro into a... Um, you know, career alcoholic and drug addict <laughs> yes. is to you know <laughs> dip your toe in the '80s club jacuzzi. Well, they they play the Smiths and the Cure. They play shit yeah. you're familiar with. And you also, know, they might play some blur. when you're when you're like a straight edge bro, your your main goal is like kind of fucking goth chicks, you know. Mm, and that's I mean that's where it goes down. 
That is where it goes down. That is where it goes down. Fuck, man. But I, I never drank any nasty shit like that. Jesus. <laughs> hey, man. I was I was, was wise beyond my years even then. It, it was I, I I consider it to be a wise move. Well, I mean, I guess it's a wise move from a monetary perspective because you get the most litty for the least amount of money. Right. You 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 were able to get one drink, and it might you know be the only drink you need. Well, you're a big bitch. I feel like you need at least two. Well, at the time, one one did it, but nowadays, yeah, I'm going to need. Because as a person who spent a lot of time partying with you over the years, I I've I think I've said this before, but I don't know if I've ever seen you like twisted, twisted. Mm-hmm. Well, you should have seen me when I was 19. I, I I mean, yes, I would kill to see that big tree fall in the forest. Man, it used to it used to suck. I used to hate it. That's I mean, that's probably why I'm so good at not doing it now. And you've never seen it is every time it did happen because it you always wanted to chase that dragon of like, all right, I went out last weekend and like I drank you know four beers. I had one vodka soda and then I took two hits off of a joint and then I ended up having the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. And then you're like, I just need to do that again this weekend. And it'll be perfect, and it never works out that way. And then you know you wake up in like a bush or something like that, or you got the spins. You wake up in a bathtub. You know, one time, one time, I actually was on a on a a uh, like a woods retreat outside of Atlanta when I was very young, and I I had taken ecstasy the night before, and <laughs> I I got up, went to my bath, went to the bathroom. And I awoke laying in the bathtub, and apparently I had fallen into the bathtub, passed out, but I somehow dodged the spigot and came out clean because I could have really busted my head open. So, so you almost died from passing out from being on ecstasy. But I wasn't even on ecstasy anymore. It was the next day. Right. Ecstasy hangover, s- slip and fall. Yeah, dude. I- what a, what, you know, that's not something you want on your tombstone. No, that's so it's so lame. It's deeply uncool. And I don't know why I just admitted it to the world, but you know, I guess that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> yes, admitting to the world all of the un- embarrassing ways that you almost died. Mm, well, you know, I I feel like I have more than most. I got tons, baby. We can have a whole separate pot about it. All the times mm. I've fallen down the fucking stairs and shit, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> so how do all you uh <laughs> How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about our workout today? Uh, well, I mean, that's a workout that you put me onto like during quarantine, and I did a lot of it, and mm-hmm. it is harder than I remember after a couple months off. Good, but I like it. I mean, it's fun. I, I mean, I also just it's it's kind of rare for me to work out with other people unless it's like a trainer. Mm-hmm. So that that's also pretty fun. But we have to keep our little trap shut because you know we'll make each other giggle. And we don't want to throw out a back or a neck, you know. <laughs> it is true. I mean, it, it is nice because usually when I'm doing that workout, I have I have the AirPods in and I'm listening to, um, you know, a podcast or something. So it is. It is. A, I feel like I'm doing a vacay with uh, with with. Can no, you believe, no that, pods. guys, listeners? I shockingly, Jason set this all up and he didn't bring a Beats pill, which I was really upset about. So. I don't know if he like can't afford one or if like he's not on the flow Look, team. As as a ex professional DJ, every, you you it's a government issue. You get you get a a blue or a green Beats pill 
just delivered to you at your doorstep. I, I have many of them. Don't worry. Well, I didn't see one today, and I could have really used some little baby when I was on that, you know, fifteenth swing. You know, I'm I'm a grown ass man. I I can't be beat. I can't be owning a Beats pill, I, and I can't I, be bringing it to a park. I I understand. I understand. I don't think I mean, you do. I, I mean, I I actually think music would have been distracting, weirdly. So I, I think we I think you made the right choice by accident. It would have been, you know, every every workout is as much mental as it is physical. You know what I mean? Oh my God. My trainer is so heady. Um, so we do have a guest today. Uh, mm. His name is uh, Evan Ross Katz. Mm. And he is a writer uh, that lives in New York. Uh, he has contributed all over the fucking place. Um, you know, uh, all he also the usual- has a podcast called shut up, Evan. Um, he's, had, he's had some pretty hard, hard hitting guests on this podcast. He has had he and I want he had um, Andy from Bon Appetit. Can't wait to talk to him about that. Um, but yeah, he's had a lot of people on. Nikki Glazer, who I, I actually think I like. Mm. Every cast member of of RuPaul's Drag Race, most likely. <laughs> yeah, that, this is a very impressive RuPaul's Drag Race cast. Every um, every every. Uh, small bit part actor on Buffy the Vampire Slayer television show has been on there. Important. I mean, that, that's important. And, and Jake Shears from the Sister Sisters, he's a true legend in the game. I, he's actually, I've podcasted with him before. Have you? Mm-hmm. He was a real treat. Did he do Tall Tales? He did, yeah. Damn, wow. Must be nice to get those guests for your old podcast, huh? Yeah, he'd be in the DMs, you know what I'm saying. He said, come here, stretch. Let me holler at you for a second. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's give Evan a little buzz, mate. Mm. Hi. Hi. What up? Wow, this is uh, – I've never done the How are you? FaceTime. Yeah, th- we, um, we had not either until we, we started doing this podcast, and it's become our um, – our signature move. Even even though we could have better audio quality, we've leaned into being bad. I have to say though, I think your audio quality is pretty good. Thank you. I mean, I clean okay. it up, clean it up in post, Evan. Fair it enough, could fair be, it could be worse, um, but it's also like we're in the same city now, so eventually we'll probably do it in the same room, which will be a first actually for this podcast since we started it in quarantine. So right, right, right. I almost don't funny. want to. I know. I feel like it could lose the magic. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic for you both. I, I think you can make it work. <laughs> Thank you. What now? What is your now your podcast? How? What's your setup? How pro are you? Um, we were pro um, <laughs> before this all came to be. Like we had, so we kind of like built a makeshift studio, but like we bought really good equipment, and it was all kind of, and we were having the talent come and do in person. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then obviously this happened, but I have to say, like, I don't know if I'll go back to in-person just because I love being able to record the video off of the Zoom call. Oh. Mm. So how, how, how important is video for you now? Well, for like our Patreon subscribers, it's like a huge bonus sort of something that is very light lift because, you know, we're just hitting record. Mm, And especially because like we're interviewing like a lot of drag queens and, you know, just big personalities that tend to come through. Not that they don't come through an audio form, but video only kind of serves to amplify them. Mm. Yeah, I think Jason and I, I think, yeah, I think we have faces for radio. You know what I mean? So maybe the (laughs) maybe the Zoom recording. I don't think we I don't think we'd be getting tips in Patreon if we showed our faces. 
we, I don't want to do I, I don't want to do glam before I pod. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, when we're in the quarantine, a lot of people who you know love or p- potentially need to be dressing up for you know their mental stability, they need that outlet. Totally. Also, we've been able to just book so many bigger guests because you're not asking people to travel. Mm -hmm. You're not having to contend with busy schedules as much. So that's the other thing is like, I've been able to book people that I wouldn't have even asked before because I just didn't think I was worthy of their time. And now I'm like, you know what? They've got time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, we've definitely benefited from that as well. I mean, I think it's like, I mean, that's just present company included. Yeah, I mean, oh, seriously, you, it's, like, it's, it's like every, everybody, I mean, now how are, are you going through like friends of friends or just banging DMs or like just kind of whatever, depending on who it is? I am a DMer. I have had <laughs> tremendous, tremendous success with DMs because Same. my like big thing I always tell people, and I mean, maybe this isn't true for everyone, but in my experience, celebrities tend to respond to DMs um, and mm. it's often the ones that you would just be like, oh, they don't have, um, you know, they have a social media person or they're not checking their DMs. And I'm like, celebrities, um, people have time right now. And so people have time to do something as mundane as like shuffle through their DMs. Well, so who is the biggest, let's let's just get it out here. Who's the biggest DM response you've ever gotten? Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm, that is big. Damn, Maybe she really should, she really should have something else to do. That's crazy. No, so, it's so true. It's so true. But the thing is, it's like because when I message her, I you know we we go back and forth about Drag Race pretty regularly, and so I would speculate that I think she just enjoys having someone to talk about this TV show she loves with, and like yeah. not you know grilling her on politics. She just wants to check out and talk talk to a friend about Drag Race, you know. Yeah, and like I'm happy to be that friend. So what's up with you know? I, cool. I know I know that Drag Race is wildly popular. It's like a hit, and a lot of people in my life talk about it. I have never really watched it. Have I missed the boat, or is it like, or is it still peaking? No, it's not peaking at all. Um, <laughs> you haven't missed the boat. I have to say. So in quarantine, I started Survivor. Um, from the beginning, I did seasons one, and, and I just finished season ten last night. And Shit, we were just we're talking like, about Survivor on the last episode, and uh, two in a row. Wow! About and I bring how, it up because, uh, as um, as someone who used to think Drag Race was like the best reality television competition show, and you have to watch it, I have completely flipped the script, having watched Survivor, and I would say. Drag Race is an amazing show, especially in terms of offering a diverse cast of queer people and many queer people of color. Survivor is not that at all. But in terms of just the attributes of a reality competition that I love, Survivor, just the stakes are so much higher. So to answer your question, yes, I recommend Drag Race, but I do not think it is like the pinnacle of reality television. Mm-hmm. Well, my idea, I mean, the pinnacle of reality television for me is some of those early seasons of the real world is probably oh. where my allegiances lie. Absolutely. Um, but also, you know, I don't think the real world really gets gets as much credit as it deserves for the diversity and like kind of what they were tackling at the time. Totally. I mean, I think about New Orleans all the time yeah. and not just Danny, but also 
was it Julie was like the Mormon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so like, and just in terms of, so, I mean, obviously like they had a uh, diversity in terms of race and, race and gender, but also just in terms of sort of bringing in people from different walks of life that would never have, you know, been in the yeah. same room together and, that and all, forcing that, them to it, interact. It makes, it makes great TV, you know? Yeah. You know, when you, when you put the, the racist 22 year old with the, the, you know, intelligent black man in, in, on one show, they're going to get into it. Mm. But you know what? I feel like there was a turning point. If I remember correctly, I'm not the biggest historian on this, but I feel like Las Vegas with Trishel, yes. that season was when they kind of like abandoned the original concept and were like, let's just get tons of hot drunk people yes, to live yes. together. Well, and I that's think, when it kind of deteriorated. I think San Francisco, when you had Puck as like mm. the punk bike messenger, kind of like street guy. And then you also had, pa- you know, I mean, Pedro died from AIDS. That's crazy. Yeah. And there was yeah. nothing like that on TV at the time. Like, no, nothing like that. And, and partly because reality TV wasn't as big and partly because those kind of topics were still pretty taboo. Totally. And you know what? And I think like my sensibility will always go towards that in terms of the fact that those people that went on those shows back then, they weren't doing it with any sort of like thought that this would mm. give them a career or oh, there was point. no such word as like branding. And so yeah. both the real world and early Survivor and even early, early Drag Race, I kind of love the fact that those contestants were just so green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that makes it feel better. There, there's a, a, there's a, a purity to it versus this is my stepping stone to becoming, you know, to fucking a rapper or whatever it is. Absolutely. For for hosting a, hosting a party at a bar in a tertiary market three nights a week, um, is the is now the drag race contestants I, I, like are they well known in the community before they make TV or is it a mixed bag of like unknowns and knowns depending on how in, in you know ingrained in the scene you are. I'm so excited to be having this conversation right now. Um, I'll <laughs> say that. Uh, they're they're known to varying degrees. I think that there was like a turning point that happened around season 10 when you started to like, there started to be something called the Instagram queen, which was this idea that the girls would come on the show with huge social media followings. Oh, uh, okay, okay. And they were kind of seen as bigger threats because they kind of came in with this fan base. Sure. Um, but even looking back at like the season six winner, Bianca Del Rio, as someone who has lived in New York for almost 13 years, like I knew who Bianca was just because of the nightlife scene when I was yeah. in my early 20s in New York City. So I, oftentimes the girls, they're people that people within the community know and love, but are kind of, you know, unknowns in the greater cultural zeitgeist. But sure. I, you know, even the season 10 winner, Aquaria, she was a pretty well-known figure um, in the fashion world even before she ever walked into the workroom. So I think... To varying degrees, some people walk in with you sure. know, more of a following than others, but they're all, you know, none of them are like A-listers. Yeah, when when you say workroom, is that yeah, uh, yeah? Stop throwing. Is that is that a literal? Is that a literal room, or is that more of a metaphorical? I I think he's literally. I think I take that as a roast that he said that without any explanation. No, no, that um, was a shot directed at us. The workroom is the guest bedroom when I'm home alone. If you know what I mean, Mm. but it could go. It could go anywhere. What is? What do you mean by workroom? Uh, so the workroom is like all of the contestants. Uh, it's the room in which they build all the costumes. They are the 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 looks. They do the mini challenges in there. Mm. I would say like there's the workroom and the main stage, and those are kind of like the two sets that make up Drag Race. All mm. of the competition takes place either on the main stage, backstage, or in the workroom. 
How is the word work spelled? Final question. W E R K. Okay. But, wow, Jason had to ask because I knew the answer. I prefer W E R Q. That's what I was. I was wondering <laughs> if there was a Q or not. Yeah, I'm a I'm a proponent of the Q. <laughs> Interesting. So this show, okay, I you know because I've like I said I've heard people talk about this show for years and like you know understand the the concept obviously because it's it's not that dissimilar from other reality you know it's a reality competition show which is you know there's a way that those work. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like the personalities are incredibly engaging in a way that, that other shows might not have. You know? Yeah. I would say if you want like your drag race starter pack, I would just literally go to, uh, season two of all stars. It's 10 <laughs> episodes and it will give you the, some of the best Queens that ever appear on the show and the most, uh, organic drama that the show's ever produced. Damn. You know, I love organic drama. That's actually <laughs> much like my produce. I like my drama to be pesticide free. That is, we're eating healthy on this side. I you know what I mean? It's a lot of organic drama as, as I reach over a, a broccolini spear at Whole Foods. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so, did you go ahead, Jason? Go ahead. Your, um, you know, you, you seem to really have a, an encyclopedic knowledge of television in general. Where, where, where did this come from? Where did it start? You know, what's what's the origin story there? I think that I just have, like, kind of one of those brains that retains strange details. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that because so much of my, like, adolescence was spent watching television, I think that a lot of times, like, those, you know, it's when you mention real world, it's like all of a sudden my mind literally opens up and I'm literally just... I'm literally going season to season and thinking about, oh, this person I loved and this was the hot gay guy on that season. And that's sort of just how my so brain you, works. So you have and- like a Rain Man-like ability. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah I, yeah, I have a Rain Man-like ability to remember all the hot gay characters from the real world. That is Listen, a very, it's that's important. a great Someone niche. has to. We, yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't get the, the skills that we ask for. You know, God just gives them to us. So That's yeah. true. So you are somewhat on, you know, a, the, the television knowledge spectrum, you know, of an autistic level of, of comprehension is what it feels like. I love that description. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. Like, so right now, as I'm doing Survivor, I will then, after I finish, the, this is so sad. I'm not like proud of this, but like, after <laughs> I finish a season, I've been listening to this Survivor Historians podcast. Ooh, yeah. Oh my you should God. not be proud of yeah. this. Oh my God. We can edit this out if you want. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, it's like, why am I admitting to this? Evan, uh, how many, what's the over under on, on the cats that you own? How many cats are in the house right now? <laughs> That's so funny you say that. I had two, and Uh-oh. I just gave my second one up for adoption because I'm moving in with my boyfriend, and he's allergic. But so there was a time when there were two. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I'm glad you sensed that. Because mm-hmm. two feels <laughs> two does feel excessive for one man. I have to say, you know, really? I think I think a one to one cat person ratio is probably okay. Yeah. Um, you know, when where so what are you moving from? What neighborhood to what neighborhood? Um, so we, this is like, because of everything that's going on, we did an Airbnb for three months. Um, it's called new brand or sorry, um, something branch New York. Like we literally found an Airbnb. It's two and a half hours. I don't even know the name of the town. It's two and a half hours Northwest of the city. And so so you're leaving, you're leaving the city for three months. Yes. So basically like I'm, my boyfriend has his apartment in Greenwich village, but we're just going to stick all of our stuff in there go for three months and then we'll either keep airbnb but we just were kind of like we don't want to be in the city so have you stayed the whole time 
Well, so we've been in the Hamptons for all of July, and then before that, we were we were in the city. Damn! So you're going from Hamptons to upstate. You're really do, you're really doing the New York tourism. Yeah, yeah. I really. I, it's all about giving back. That's really that. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the truth. That's really I'm, awesome. You, I'm, I'm. Are you a nature guy? I would be surprised to find that out. No, I'm. I'm. Well, okay. Like I'm non-nature, but this is gonna sound weird. And I, like, I want to stop bringing up Survivor after this. But <laughs> I feel like as a result of watching this show, I've become. A, I'm trying to become a little bit more. Just like, oh, there's a spider. Go kill it. Whereas, like the old <laughs> me would be like, you know, mom, mom, or like call whoever was near, or you know, pick up the phone and pretend to call the cops because that's sort of like the, the degree of fear. <laughs> I'm trying now just to be like, not only do I need to kill it, but I need to not make a big deal about it and just fucking get it done. Well, yeah, I yeah. think it, I think it's really awesome that you are using something like you know watching hours and hours of mindless television and then you know applying an actual benefit to it versus just entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about educational consumption, you know. Mm, I can see that, and, and I think that <laughs> I think the growth during this time has been important for all of us. So whatever yes. you can do, you know what yes. I mean. Whatever you can, whatever you can do. But I mean, are you able to? Because are you you're working the whole time too, right? Yeah. So I my day job is with Netflix, and so all of that can be done remotely. We I was working in the office before, but that was kind of more by choice. And then I do all of my freelance stuff was, you know, from wherever before anyway. So my, my actual, um, my work day and sort of where I am hasn't changed significantly. What are you, so what, what are you doing with Netflix exactly? So, uh, you know how like Netflix has, so Netflix has internal channels. You would probably most be most familiar with Strong Black Lead and Netflix is a joke. Mm-hmm. So in January, Netflix launched an LGBTQ plus channel called The Most. And so mm-hmm. I work on that channel. And so I do help with the Instagram and the Twitter and all of our YouTube videos and all of the ancillary content that is essentially a marketing vehicle for mm-hmm. Netflix for LGBTQ plus programming and talent. Amazing. And how new, how, how new, I'm sorry, how new is the, is that channel? Um, it launched in earnest in January and I would say like officially in March. Okay. And how is it going so far? It's really fun. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm giving you the real, real. It's just because Netflix is a, uh, you know, you know, Netflix, they have a ton of LGBTQ plus programming. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a version of this job that would have really been like mining for the content. Yeah. But it's just, there's so much like, you know, recently I was doing a package of, they were like, can you find gay, we want to do a super cut of gay kisses. And my initial instinct was like, oh my God, like I'm going to, you know, maybe find three. And then I got to searching and I was like, oh, like I have to cut gay kisses from my gay kiss package because there's so many. Um, you know? What, what a job. What a, what a cool and fun job. Yeah, uh, it is fun. And it's very much, you know, you were saying earlier, it's like, I love television. So like, it's kind of... It, it, so when you're, when you're putting something like that together, you're searching the way we would search or you have access to like an insane database that's like more searchable. Yeah, I, actually, I always wondered about that. If you needed that type of supercut, is there just a computer system where it's all in there and everything is categorized or do you, is it just going in one by one? So we do have a, a kind of like a cool little system and what you can do is it will transcribe. It has a transcription of every single word ever uttered Shit. on any show. And because wow. something like a gay kiss would be subtitled as gay, as the two, it would be subtitled as the two characters kiss. Yeah. Or something. Um, I can't search gay kiss, but I could <laughs> search for 
um, the two kiss or just the word kiss. And then I would have to manually go through. Yeah. But let's say I was looking to make a super cut of characters saying that's gay or, Mm -hmm. you know, some, some iteration of like, uh, gay rights or like some kind of gay phrase. I could just put that in and it would literally, it would scoop through all Netflix original programming and all of our acquisition content. But then I would present it and be like, voila, I made this. Yeah, sure. No, but that, I mean, that still requires work, but that's, I mean, that would be almost impossible to do without that system. You know? Yeah, but like, so would... for instance, we just did a super cut of one of um, Trixie Mattel, who's like, who has a YouTube show for, for us. We wanted to do a super cut of her laughing. And that was literally, we just put Trixie laughs into the system and it pulled all the, it pulled all the time codes. Well, I mean, don't make your job sound this easy. Yeah, no, no. It's very, <laughs> this is just. Yeah, guys, guys, component. it sounds easy, but it's deeply nuanced. Yeah, and no, I would, you, I, I wouldn't want to downplay that. Yeah. I mean, I would say most people that have this, it would be an MFA at minimum. I just sort of <laughs> skirted past the requirement. I, I slipped in here. I don't even know how. That, yeah. That's actually, that sounds really fun. That sounds like a good, cool job. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah and if the Bravo Network had a similar database system, Chris might consider applying. Yes, hey, I, I would. I would. Listen. If I can't, if I can't be the bartender on Watch What Happens Live, I guess I can make some supercuts. <laughs> that would be really fun, but that would I think would be challenging because it's like you almost get into the territory where, like, say you were looking up like throws wine glass. Sure. I feel like the system might like blow up because it would just produce <laughs> so much content. Yeah, it would be. It would overheat. The mm-hmm. servers would stop working. Yeah. <laughs> Now, so are you watching, do you watch TV like all day and like, does it feel like it's part of your job and then you watch it at night for entertainment or how do you split the, the, the watching? So I watch TV all and movies all day for work, but it's sort of like a different brain that gets applied because I'm stopping and starting throughout it and I'm like especially because I'm doing the LGBTQ plus channel, I'm like, have my brain, I like wired to look for certain things. So I'm not really watching for like quality. I'm not like, I'm not an editor looking at like, okay, like this scene works, this scene doesn't. I'm really just looking at what can we pull? And then also what kind of can ring true out of context. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, so I just did Queer Eye season five recently. And it's like, those five guys are sort of figures within the zeitgeist. And so, like, there's JVN reactions are going to work to non-queer eye viewers. That's Yes, they are, sweetie, because I've never seen a single episode, and I know exactly what that motherfucker's doing. Listen, I can't recommend watching it. Um, <laughs> but, but, can't but, recommend so watching job, the show or just one person? I wouldn't recommend watching Queer Eye, personally. Oh. Um, sorry. Don't, uh, you, don't you like it, Jason? Didn't you, like, cry or something? I've, 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 I've teared up on a few episodes, sure. I mean, that says more about you than it says about the show. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. Evan, I you would You know what? Agree. Let's leave I, it in the gray area. Yeah, that's Look, a gray you, area. Look, you know, you got some motherfucker in a wheelchair and you changed their life. I'm, I'm going to cry. Listen, then literally the show is catered for you, the viewer that is you. So listen, enjoy it. Yeah, soft, straight men. That's who, that's who it's, <laughs> that's, sorry, Jason. Deep, that, a deep that. connection with the personal emotions. Sure, you, you lifeless mm. dead bitches can watch, <laughs> watch your, watch listen, whatever bullshit you want to watch. You're better than us. You are better than us. You are better than us. Anyway, back to Survivor season 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, where to begin? I, so I understand. So when you're watching for work, it's like for a purpose and very different than just pure enjoyment, which is what you're doing on your own time. Yeah. And then like at night, I would say like, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously an unusual circumstance because of quarantine, whereas I think I'm watching more than I typically would. But so I would say I have a sh- I will intru- like usually at any given time, my boyfriend and I are watching a show together, which will, which in this case is Survivor. And then I will be introducing him to like my pick of the day or the week or whatever. And then he will have his pick. So right now I've been introducing him to Buffy and he's been introducing me to Avatar. Oh, my God. <laughs> And you got what? That's a what wild that? combo of programming. What does what does your boyfriend do for a living? If I if I don't ask it, he's an engineer at Google. Oh, that's an avatar watching job. Yeah, to I was going to say it all, it, all makes sense. It, all, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense. I, I was going to be. I hope you were going to say something insane, but that that all tracks. Yeah, no, it completely tracks. Well, so, so it, you, you guys had to set up some type of system with parameters in order for you to watch television or movies as a couple. It sounds like. Because it's such an, a, a unique situation that you're in for your career. Yeah, completely. And then also just like while we're watching. So like Buffy is my favorite show of all time. And mm-hmm. it feels like a very like important I, moment in our relationship. Go ahead. Be- before, before we get into that, I would just like for you to address the rumors that Sarah Michelle Gellar is a real bitch, IRL. Wow, I would love to address that rumor. <laughs> So that is completely not true. That is a, oh. that is a rumor that exists out there that says Sarah Michelle Geller is a registered Republican. Sarah Michelle Gell- Geller voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016, so I'm not sure if a registered Republican would be voting. Well, look, Evan, Evan, I'm not concerned with her political affiliation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm concerned <laughs> with her, you know, treating fans and the help, you know, not not nicely. Yeah. A celeb being a bitch is not a problem. Have so, you had interactions with Sarah Michelle? Many. Mm. And, but was it at Comic-Con? O- outside like of Comic-Con, though. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. We know each other. Oh. So, so you guys will personal... pull up to Crossroads and get a cheeky appetizer. I mean, not to get like, too into it, but basically she was my idol. And then through a very bizarre circumstance in 2016, we were introduced over email. And then Andy Cohen introduced us in person at Watch What Happens Live. Mm. And we've kept in touch since. And I've Hold on. Hold, hold on. We have to. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. We, we need to rewind. Okay. So are you the are you the guy that is going to get me my bartending gig on Watch What Happens Live? Absolutely. Evan, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Um, I'll be contacting you after the podcast to set this up. I'm almost ready to take my shirt off if I have to. Okay. Well, first of all, that that's a mandate. Um, but yeah, no, let's make it happen. I, I, I'm the biggest, wow. I, I'm one of the top straight Andy Cohen fans in the game. I think you're the most important then of the mm-hmm. Andy Cohen fan set. Good, because I've read his books. I'm really deeply knowledgeable about, about his approach. Um, I feel like you could get him for the pod. Look, it, look, let me know. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think we have you on right now, Evan? Yeah, this I, is, I, this is a long bridge. I didn't know any of this going in. I just thought you were funny on Twitter. You know what I mean? And this, mm-hmm. this, this is what happened. So I'm sorry. So you're friends with Sarah Michelle Gellar, so you can say for 100% fact that she's not only a fantastic actress and the lead of your favorite show of all time, but also just a sweet woman. I want to correct the record. I don't want to say that we're friends. I would say mm-hmm. we're acquaintances. I would. I will say this. I am in her phone book. So, like, mm-hmm. that's the extent to And I'm also, would you say that Freddie Prince Jr. is still pretty hot? Yes, but... I think he really had a moment like in 2015. Um, he's leaned into like a dad aesthetic that's not, mm. not, ex- mm. not like my, like, I'm not like dying to sit on it, but like, <laughs> you know, like, 
I still like, you know, we could entertain a fantasy. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Because I, I think that I always find it, I feel like a lot of people don't know that his dad is kind of like a comedy legend. I, totally. I, it's, yeah. Well, Sarah Michelle Gellar's stepfather, her father in law. Yeah, I didn't know that for a long time. I, didn't know that so at I, all. I think I, I listened to him on a podcast, but yeah, his dad is like a pretty legendary, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. And it's so funny you say that because it's like so many people just have no idea who his father was, let alone that his father is this comedy legend. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so I've he, met him as well. He's also very, very nice. Is he working? Does he work? Yeah. So he has a podcast. He released a cookbook. He is oh, going. That's he's right. a voice actor for Star Wars Rebels. He's got these motherfuckers. Look, if you're famous, can you leave the podcast to us, please? Like, <laughs> don't take. Like, there's only so much market share for this shit, and I can't be sharing with some celebrities. It ain't fair. It's wild. And literally, you 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 literally go on someone's Instagram page all of a sudden, and they're just like, "Oh, just woke up and just decided I'm going to start a podcast today." Yeah, and they got yeah. like. Dax Shepard, fall back, bro. You got TV no, money. Yeah. Luckily, the cream rises to the top, as we know, guys. Mm. That, okay, that but wait. I do want to go back though, because so I, I'm not. I, I you know I don't know her intimately, but I do want to go on the record. She is so nice and so funny, and I've had nothing but the most positive interactions. And I only say this because if she wasn't nice, that would have affected my fandom. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like I adamantly want to say like that's just she's one of she is the most down-to-earth celebrity i've ever ever mm. encountered wow wow that's and okay, you've probably look. encountered a good amount of them so yeah whoever is dispensing this, this <laughs> falsehood like they need to come talk to me uh, i will i will make a citizen's arrest on this fucking criminal <laughs> and i will bring them to you and you can give them their lashes i i couldn't agree more evan you you, know, you mentioned that you came into contact with her in 2016 through a through an odd circumstance what what are the dark arts and and black magic that you willed this relationship into existence okay so i'll keep this brief but it is kind of funny mm-hmm. um so my friend Eric Carmelo is the creator of the TV series Ringer, of which Sarah Michelle Gellar was the star. Mm. And so this was 2016. She had just released um, Foodsters, which is her food, her baking kit company. <laughs> and Whole Foods Shit. had announced that they were going to start selling Foodsters. And the first location they were going to do that was Williamsburg. Foodsters, so I'm Sarah dying! So Sarah Michelle Gellar texted <laughs> my friend Eric and was like, do you think that your friend Evan, because, you know, she'd heard about me from him, could mm-hmm. go to the Foodsters in Williamsburg and take, excuse me, go to the Whole Foods in Williamsburg and take a picture of the Foodsters? Mm. And I was like, not only can I do that, I will go and I will rearrange the entire area of the store <laughs> and make it a foodsters section of Whole Foods. Right. You will so you will I hand went, out samples the whole thing. Like I we're at Costco. So I went, I completely redesigned the area, <laughs> took pictures, sent them to Eric, and then I got an email from Sarah Michelle Geller thanking me. And that was the beginning of what became at that time like an email correspondent. What did that feel like? Get you know, opening your motherfucking Gmail and it says Sarah Michelle Geller has hit you. Well, okay, so it's kind of like I mean, obviously like mind blowing, but also like that'd my be like if Whitney con- from the Hills emailed me. You understand? Yeah, my, yeah, uh, yeah. Very comparable comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Don't you fucking like, dare! I won't. I won't. Um, <laughs> but like, I come from a time that sort of was before standum as like terminology and nomenclature existed, mm-hmm. and. 
Sarah Michelle Gellar is such a unique person to love because she doesn't have like a fan base. So like my love of her does not connect me to a larger group of people as is the uh. case with like a Gaga or a Rihanna or so many of these like fan right. armies. And this is no shade towards them. But so Sarah Michelle Gellar is like, has a particular meaning that is unique to that is unique for me and that didn't make me feel connected to anyone but her. Mm. So I think that moment of having someone who, you know, I was a young gay kid in Pittsburgh. I got bullied a lot. And so having this like slayer to look up to this badass female who like didn't let anybody get in her way. Obviously there was some blurring of the lines between actress and character for me. Mm -hmm. And to me, this was just this epic hero who, kicked butt and who wasn't too good to cry. Like I always loved the complexity of the character of Buffy because she was extremely strong and could be incredibly weak. Um, mm. So I think all of that's just like the, f I mean, you know, the fact that we, I got that email and then it grew into what it is now. It's so surreal, but it's like so special because I'm able to be pretty normal around her now. And I genuinely think she finds my love of her. She gets it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, uh. I'm not like a scary fan. I'm like a funny fan, but like I send. Well, her... she can see the check mark next to your name. She knows it's all oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she's looking. <laughs> um, but no, like I send her articles that I read. I keep her in the loop about things. I help her sometimes with her Instagram. I mean, like I mm -hmm. want to be a resource to her because, like, you know, I care about her reputation. Um, mm -hmm. as we saw evidence 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> I kind of, you know, I carry the torch that is Sarah Michelle Geller, and I'm going to see it through to the finish line. It's beautiful. I, actually, I think it's beautiful. I, I love this because I don't know anybody. I, I just, it's interesting. I've never heard anybody talk about her this way. So I'm, I, it's nice to hear this. Well, and I just will say like, you know, we talk about like the Meryl Streeps and the Viola Davises of the world. And like, I'm not even being funny, but I realize it sounds funny when I say, I think Sarah Michelle Geller is one of the greatest actors ever, ever. <coughs> and she'll never be regarded as such. And that's fine with me, but I'm still going to believe it in my heart. Like that is acting. That's how I feel about Sienna Miller. So I understand mm. where I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. Well, you uh, you were mentioning that the the way that you you know the way that she doesn't have like you know armies of fans, um, and you you have like a real connection with her, and she has a connection with you. Do you when you meet other people who have a similar level of Sarah Michelle Gellar standing? Do you have like do you feel like a common bond or connection with those people? Not really. Like a, like if you go to BuffyCon or whatever. I wouldn't, though. Like, I've always felt like, you know, Buffy's my favorite show, but I've never felt very connected with Buffy fans because I think that what I They're love ugly. about the show is not the thing that most people love about it. So, and I also just, I, it's it's like, I don't, I don't feel this like yearning to connect with other mm -hmm. Buffy fans. I would say like when I see a Sarah Michelle Gellar post on Twitter going viral, yes, I start to tingle. Like I certainly feel a certain <laughs> something, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. more like gratification that like the world is is recognizing like your queen. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel when I see an article about Evan Dando. So I understand. Um, <laughs> I, to I totally get it. You know, cause I, I can relate to you, Evan, because a lot of things I like, I also can't find other fans except 50 year old white men. And I don't yeah. have a lot, you know, I don't have a lot to relate with them on. Um, but I, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is an interesting show. Cause I feel like, I, I guess I never really watched that. I guess Dawson's Creek was like my version of that show. Mm -hmm. Maybe in that same era. Cause that's a similar era, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just, I don't, you know, our last, this is really interesting, but our, our, uh, one of our last guests, Alex, Alex Frank is also from Pittsburgh. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Which, the Pittsburgh connection. I haven't known. I don't think I knew. I think I know. Now I know three people from Pittsburgh. That's very interesting. And that's, that's the that. most interesting thing about Pittsburgh, though, unfortunately. Um, no, we are uh, <laughs> the birthplace of Gertrude Stein and Andy Warhol. That's right. And uh, Jeff Goldblum. We've got we've got some Michael Keaton. We have some serious star power. Birthplace <laughs> means good. that they, is pretty good. Birthplace means they were born there and then they left, though, right? Just to be clear. No, I, not, no, no, no. I mean, well, I don't know about Gertrude Stein, but I mean, <laughs> you know, Andy Warhol is buried in Pittsburgh, grew up in Pittsburgh. Jeff Goldblum did a documentary called Pittsburgh. I mean, listen, like, I didn't if know you're that. from Pittsburgh, you, I mean, I can't speak uniformly about the city, but there is like a unique sense of pride that I, I've always felt, and whenever people, I would be like, oh, I'm from Pittsburgh, they would be like, oh, um, I have family in Philly. And I would be like, we don't, that's, that's meaningless. We're, I don't, that's, that's the equivalent of you saying, I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Chris saying, oh, yeah, I watched a lot of Dawson's Creek. And you're like, Ugh. yeah, it's like, we, uh, it's like, you know, you can't sit with us. It's like, oh, <laughs> I just meant the same time period, Jason. Fuck off. Evan, for, for a guy who watches so much television, how do you keep the body looking tight and right? So I'm a runner. I run mm. six uh, six days a week at minimum. I'm with Nike Run Club. Um, mm. And I've been running. I did the 2017 marathon. I did the 2019 marathon. Shit. I wasn't going to do 2020, fortunately, but I hope to be back again in 2021. But um, I'm a big, big, big proponent of running. And that's where I listen to all my podcasts. Mm. Yeah. You're a real, you're a real type A overachieving motherfucker, aren't you? Uh, not like in an annoying way, hopefully. <laughs> like, I would say, well, okay, you ever just, you ever just kick back and smoke a little grass and eat some Fuck pizza? Yeah. Fuck okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, yes, like I'm up at 630 and like I'm getting my shit done. But like when I close my laptop, I'm pretty good about like, I'm not, I can get rid of that feeling pretty quickly. That's good. Be I, grateful I think, because that's a, a, a skill that a lot of people do not have, or they or they struggle with it. I would say, yeah, for sure. No, but I mean, I mean, I used to be a weed dealer in in college. So, mm. whoa, tell, oh, tell me more. Where did you go to college? <laughs> I went to NYU. I'm one oh, of those. I know. Classic. So you had a bunch of hot female friends. They were rich and from LA. It was and, so hard. <laughs> and and you d- you sold weed to other students. Yeah, Did you were you able to gag? sell eighty dollar eights to to rich bros. <laughs> I mean, you could really get away with. I mean, it was insane. And also, too, uh, my so- I started my sophomore year, and I was in the dorms then. And so, dorm when you're a dealer at NYU dealing in the dorm, you never have to leave the dorm. You literally your customer base can all just be within the one dorm, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, at first I was like, oh, how am I going to do this with like signing people in, blah, 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 blah. And then I quickly realized it's like, NYU kids are many things. One thing they are not is resourceful. So <laughs> it's just like, if there's weed in the building, they're not going to be like, oh, well, am I getting the best, you know, quality for my buck? They're just going to be like, give me the grass. And right. So did you did you have that gas or are you, ha- are you selling mid to these losers? No, I would say it was like kind of middle ground. So I have this whole crazy operation, but basically I was having a grower um, that was in Pittsburgh drive the drive by the pound um, about every two weeks or so into the city. And then like, it all started to break down after a while. But you, but you never got popped. Like you're free and clear. No. And like I, and you have to mind you, this was in college. So my parents were paying for like my living situation and my groceries and everything then. So everything I was making was mm. purely profit. You were so. going, you were spending at the Beatrice Inn on those vodka sodas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I assume you were being very responsible with your money at that age. 
I actually surprisingly was like all because all I didn't have to spend money on pot, and so all mm. I was really spending money on was drinks. They didn't know well, you were well, you weren't by like day. buying, spending it on clothes. No, at that point, this was like before I got into fashion. I didn't get into fashion until like probably around when I graduated. But like all of college, um, no, I was in sweatpants and. So you weren't and, really dressing back then. No, not at all. Hey, honestly, I got this internship um, with a magazine as soon as I graduated, and it be- I, I quickly learned in order to sink or swim. Well, no, I didn't want to. I didn't want to sink. And I quickly learned in order to swim, mm-hmm. I was going to need to like get my education up to snuff fast. And so I think I kind of like crash coursed um, through fashion very quickly in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. What What was really popping at the time? I don't know how old you are, so let's just talk about the trends. I am 31 now. I had to think about that for a second. Um, you know, that was really the beginning of like e-commerce in terms of like the um I don't actually know how to say this. S N E Essence. Essence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is the first time I've had to say it out loud. I understand. Feels good, doesn't it? It feels interesting. Essence. I don't like that. Essence. Okay. Um, but this was the beginning of like being able to go on those sort of like, you know, the e-commerce version of like a Barney's, but being able to go online and say, hey, I want to look at, I want to search pants and I want to see all the designer pants that I can see. And also yeah. just like the accessibility of it all, because, you know, you've been to these places like Bergdorf's and Barney's Rest in Peace, where even if you spent a few hours, you weren't possibly going to be able to get through the inventory. Mm. And you really were able to go on these essences. I mean, even now you can even search down to color and everything, but you really, you're able to glimpse so much more now. And this was really the beginning. So like they would assign me, I remember like my very first assignment was like a Memorial Day roundup. What magazine is this? This is Essential Ohm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And there was like, wait, is Essential Essential Ohm kind of a pyramid scam? (laughs) (laughs) I feel a no comment Uh, coming along. uh, I'll I'll answer it uh, this way. No, not, no. Okay, that's all, that's all I would say. But you still got you were still forced to get an education, which I understand. I was forced to get an education, and I got a paycheck. So as far as I'm concerned, it's like as long as the check clears, we're good. If the check um, clears, yeah, th- yeah, you're mm-hmm. good. Yeah, but so I was like going on there, and I remember just like in the beginning, it was basically okay. How do I create? How do I style? You know, I'm not a stylist, but that was essentially the job at that point. And then creating the copy around it, but it was like, how do I use these websites and together what my idea of a memorial day look would be and i quickly learned it was like okay well i can't just stick to essence and then it was like i would see like a rick owens coat that i liked but then i would be like okay well let's explore let's go down the rick owens rabbit hole and so it became a, a deep like, deep hole <laughs> it's a deep black rabbit hole so what yeah. you're saying is you didn't like you didn't have to catch up essence oh, sorry go ahead you you didn't have to catch up with fashion um fashion had to catch up with you uh, yeah, that's a very kind description. Uh, uh, not so much, but uh, I'll, you know what? I like that. Let's go with it. Mm-hmm. What are you What are you buying these days? I'm not buying much these days, to be honest with you, because there was so I did like a little bit of the C Smart John um, end of business sale. Y- yeah, I had to jump into that a little bit. But to be honest with you, I was buying stuff at the beginning of quarantine and being like, "Oh, this will be the I'll wear this when," and that I, I really found that deeply dissatisfying without a goal of like without a date in mind and then i also mm. in the beginning like this was like back in march i was shopping for summer and i realized now it's like i wouldn't even know what season to be buying for yeah um yeah when you true. say this is for when there's no more when 
Yeah, there is no when. So I really, I, I still find myself, obviously, like I'm watching all of the digital shows and I, I'm still keeping up with it. My interest hasn't waned at all, but I would say my desire to own it um, has completely shifted for the time being. Dan, that's pretty interesting. I actually, I, I kind of feel the same in some ways. Like I, I obviously, I keep up because it's my job, but also because I like it. And I, I, but yeah, the desire to cop is not as, as I think profound. just from an investment standpoint right now, you know, there are, you know, things that make more sense to spend your money on than clothes, considering we're not leaving the house you know not only that but it's like think of all of the things that you have in your closet from way back when that haven't gotten worn in months it's like when this is all over i have items that i previously owned that just Mm -hmm. i haven't got around to wearing so the idea of like bringing new children into the household when Mm -hmm. i have children that have like (laughs) yet to be raised it's like (laughs) i need to deal with like what i have in the house right now or when even even back. old shit that is so old it is now kind of new and exciting again. I've, exactly. I find that That's hap- fashion, the cycle of fashion. Wow. I well, I'm 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 still I'm living out of a suitcase, so I have I do have a little bit of a craving for new gear just because I'm tired of looking at what I have. But I also know that's not the entirety of my wardrobe, so I have to keep yeah. that in mind. I have to keep that in yeah. mind. Yeah, Evan, we've had <sighs> a lot of people asking us about the the Zac Efron. Netflix show can you can you give us a little rundown of what to expect yeah so I actually just it's funny you mentioned that I like suggested that we pull for that because it's not technically queer obviously but I was like well I mean well it's it's queer interest yes it is yes it is so I would say for any of your female or gay or um, listeners that are Zac Efron attracted, I would say you want to do episode one and episode six. That's when the shirt comes off. (laughs) I would caveat that by saying this version of the Zac body, which I know is getting a lot of traction on Twitter, Mm -hmm. this is not my favorite Zac body that we've seen. I would say the Paperboy, the Nicole Kidman film that he did, um, that would definitely be like my favorite Zach Efron body moment. That's mm. when he um, is that the one where he, he pees on Nicole Kidman. Yeah, that's that one. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know anything about this. Oh yeah, like, I've never like even heard of this movie. Water sports or like she got stung by a jellyfish. Stung by a jellyfish. Oh damn. <laughs> Yeah, um, my boy, my boy Efron can be a little bit of a freak. So Sounds like Chris. Know. Chris knows his PP play a little bit more than I realized. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm literally looking at a vulture headline. Lee Daniels almost cut the peeing scene from the Paperboy. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely worth checking out. But anyway, so the Netflix show, it's like Zach being. It's like I, he clearly is someone who has become very introspective in his sobriety mm-hmm. and is very. I would say the centerpiece of the show is like, I don't want to be stuck in this Hollywood bubble anymore. And Mm -hmm. so as I journey out of it, I want to bring you along with it because I think the larger theme he's going with is that we're all too obsessed with this idea of Hollywood when we should be focusing on learning about everything besides Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I would say like the effort is very noble and he takes you on some cool places. Um, and I would say it's like, it's fun. It's six episodes. It's light. It's easy. Mm. Um, I wish he would be more naked. It would be like my <laughs> big note. But, you know, we could do that in season two. I think the, the Efron body talking is actually insane. Like, it's say, wild. Saying, saying that that is a dad bod is fucked. It is fucked. But, okay, can you tell me what your thoughts are on this? I kind of feel like I really wasn't seeing that discourse. It was There was like this typical thing that happens on twitter sometimes it's like 
the rebuttal to the discourse became so verbose that I was mm. like questioning. I was like, wait, who was earnestly calling this a dad bod in the first place? Because I saw more people getting mad about it being uh, called yes, a dad yes. bod than I saw people calling it a dad bod. Good question. Yep. But I think, I think I, that's the dark side of Twitter. If I could look like Efron, you know, but still have my height, I'd be very happy. The, the Efron's yeah, a, little, I mean, a little shrimpy. That's the problem. I was going to say he's very, like, petite. So, like, just from, like, I, I don't know how big the dick is. Like, I'm not getting a sense of a big <laughs> dick from that from the proportions. Mm. I'm not sure how big what, the what dick are we, is. What are we predicting with, with, your, with your, you know, your, your skills that you've amassed over the years? I'm getting like a six and a half from him, but I have to tell you, not bad. Everything, all of my, all of my system, all of my thoughts on this have been sort of, you know, you read, you heard that Azalea Banks was tweeting last night saying, yeah, he had weak dick, weak dick game. Shia had weak dick game. Yeah, mm. and like it's like if I ever thought any white male celebrity would have the dick of dicks, it was going to be Shia LaBeouf. So now that I've learned that, it's like a paradigm shift for me, and I'm like, actually, Zac Efron's probably extremely, he's either extremely hung. Or there's just a character. You know what? I feel like Zach. <laughs> I feel like Efron is a, is a lover, though. I feel like I feel I feel like Efron might know how to use it. Yeah, I feel like Efron is the kind of guy that in the porn I would want to see him. Like I want to see like an aerial shot of him because I really want to see like the thrusting of the butt. <laughs> okay, that's specific. So we need to get a drone in there so we can get. <laughs> we we want to see the lines of his back. Yeah, you know, I don't want to burst your bubble, Evan, but Jason Efron is Jason Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm, tell me more. Um, we're just—he's just a celeb that that I have worked with, and and we have we became friends from that. Um, Interesting. He's uh, he's a good actor. He was really—he's actually a pretty decent actor. I well, the whole narrative about him you know, being basically the next Tom Cruise and just never getting the movie—it is always been interesting to me you know yeah, like yeah never and it's like is it him or is it the roles he chooses like we don't know what it is but like now it sounds like he's gone off the rocker and just done a netflix reality show that people are talking about more than any movie he's ever been in since high school musical yeah yeah it's interesting too though because it's like he generationally it's like he i think high school musical i want to say it was like 2012 or so i could be wrong but like in that time and i feel like to be that age it's like he was just before the onslaught of social media yeah and it's like i feel like you either want to be a few years older than him or a few years younger mm. in terms of touching down on the zeitgeist because with the sarah michelle geller she's considered nostalgia right because it's like mm -hmm. It's something that existed in the late 90s, early 2000s, before social media. And then you have, like, the Billie Eilishes of today that are, like, you know, live, have never lived in a world without social. I feel like he sort of is that, like, weird middle area where it's, like... Mm -hmm. He's a tweener. He, yeah. I, I think it could still happen for him. I feel like he could have a cool, like, early 30s. Because how old is he, you think? 30? Is he 30, you think? I'm gonna, yeah, I feel like early 30s. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like we could give him three to five. I think years. yeah, I think now he just has he has enough money saved up to where he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do anymore, and he can just kind of be himself. I guess hopefully his but he himself is, that, is good. He has that really interesting kind of fame in that it's like straight men love him, gay men love him, women love him. Like he's really able to have a fan base that kind of taps. It's kind of like a, an markets. egot for sex. Mm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> who else? Who else embodies those? Yeah. I was who else? Who that. else is in that in that club? 
That's really interesting. Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I think Pattinson to an extent. Mm, Yeah, 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 for sure. Maybe a bad bunny? Bad bunny for sure. Oh, without a doubt. Mm. Bad bad Bunny, very good good call, TJ. But I mean, Gyllenhaal is a classic one, though. I feel like Gyllenhaal is the, actually the playbook. He's, a, he's another short king, though. He is a uh, short king. Who is? But I, I've seen him in real life pretty often, and he is he's he's very good looking. He's got like it. the the shortness isn't distracting. No, and honestly, if you're ever bored, it's just like one thing I find myself <laughs> spending a lot of time googling is just Jake Gyllenhaal Beach. <laughs> um, first of all, the amount of images is really, you get like a good variety. Um, and his body, not, I, I'm going to sound a little too researched here, but his body goes through so many like slight modifications in terms of its tonality. Um, and I just want to highly recommend wow. that. Me too, actually. So. All right, Evan, wh- Evan <laughs> what, what do you think you would be into if you were straight? Such a abstract. Thought. And if you were straight, like, if you were straight, would you be in jail? No. Okay. If I was straight. <laughs> honestly, this is gonna sound so weird. I feel like I would be into like a Susan Sarandon, like I, like a mm. like a younger Sarandon. Sure. But that kind of, I just think that that she kind of has a sexuality to her. Okay. That, no, mm-hmm. that that's a cool Ooh, answer. Oh, um, or uh, Sigourney Weaver. Right. Oh, they're they're similar though. They're in the same yeah, kind she's, of energy. So she's got a type. Yeah, she might. Okay. Interesting. I, I like those answers. Those are those are different than I was expecting. Um, Who do you think I was going to go with? I don't know. I, I, I guess I was, I was less of just like you know who you would you know what specific celebrities you'd be attracted to, and more of just what you would be into in general. You know, it's like it's so interesting because I have never been with a woman before, and it's very hard to imagine mm-hmm. it realistically. And I don't even mean strictly from like the sexual perspective. It's like having that sort of, I've never had that intimacy with a female. And I, again, I don't even just mean sexually, mm-hmm. um, but you know, never say never. Wow. We're open to it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where we're at when the world is upside down. Right. Exactly. It's like, you, you gotta be open to some things you might not have considered before. Yeah. The, pre- the whole is a whole door swings both ways. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it does. It really does. Well, I mean, I guess that, yeah, I mean, intimacy, though. Yeah, you're right. I guess the intimacy level with a woman not even being sexual is interesting. Yeah, especially because there's this thing. I mean, I think a lot of um, gay men can relate to this, but there's like a comfort that a lot of women have inherently with us because they feel we are a non-threatening force mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And so the idea of like having that shift and not having that immediate comfort that I feel so many women have with gay men, I think it would immediately from the get-go create such a different dynamic. Because, you know, even for instance, going back to like DMing with AOC, I think it's I think it's completely different being a gay man DMing with AOC than it would if I was a straight guy. I just think it's different. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. like, for you know, sure. It's more like we're kikiing. And it's like well, if a straight guy, I think it would just I'd have more questions. <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm so comfortable on gay men? What does that mean? I have to think about this. I think it's because you're a talker. Mm. Chris was born to like, Kiki. One thing, I was listening to so many of your, uh, I mean, I listen to the podcast regularly, but I went back and was listening to several of your episodes like with Phil and Michael Kuby because I was like, I wanted to see how you guys talk to gay men. And it's like, I feel like the both of you are so willing to go wherever. And I feel like that's a great quality for gay men because like we're just so filled with non sequiturs. So I feel like you have that <laughs> ability to ping pong. 
Mm. Yeah, damn. I haven't. I've never thought about that before. I love analysis. Uh, hey, read me. <laughs> Chris can pong with the best of them. Well, well, speaking of podcasts, I wanted to talk talk about your podcast. Tell us tell us about what it's about. So it's called Shut Up Evan. Um, it launched in uh, May of last year. We just we wrapped up our first season last month, and then we're launching season two in September. Um, the idea was just like I wanted to do long form interviews in the vein of like a Howard Stern or like a Mark Marin. Mark Marin, someone I really really enjoy his style of interview. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be focused on LGBTQ plus celebrities or LGBTQ celebrities that are sort of of interest. So not. You know, people mm. like, for instance, we have Lisa Rinna coming on in season two, and like, damn, okay, don't flex, don't like, flex on us, don't flex on us that hard. That's too crazy. You got <laughs> Rinna, you got Rinna coming on. Damn, <clears throat> it's just a mandate. It had to be. Um, but I wanted to do these long form interviews, and I wanted to do things. You know, again, going back to Mark Marin, it's like I wanted to create containers where people could have conversations that were a little bit more introspective. I feel like particularly with LGBTQ plus people, we have a lot of experiences in our past, whether it be like our coming outs or the first time we saw another LGBTQ person, whether it be a family member or a celebrity. I feel like Mm -hmm. these can be like really pivotal moments in our life that don't always get discussed. And so I wanted to create a forum where we could like have those conversations. And um, again, you know, sort of ping pong wherever they may go and so we did the first season it the numbers just kept growing and growing and we have some really big guests coming in for season two and um i'm just excited to kind of see where it goes i just i mean similarly to you guys i just like talking to people yeah i mean that's i think that's the basis for for a good podcast i think you have to have that genuine interest in others um and I think that shines through almost no matter who the guest is, if, if that's really part of your personality. Completely. And one of the really fun things about having the celebrities that we've have, had on so far is that they know me from social media. So they're, um, it creates a different interview dynamic when they kind of know my flow. They kind of have yeah. a sense of my interests. Um, it's really fun when a guest comes on and wants to talk about Joy Behar with me because they know I love <laughs> Joy Behar. And like, that's a conversation that I really want to have, but I would never have it in my, you know, on my list of questions. Like, Oh, you know, let's go deep on Joy Behar's hair during seasons 15. <laughs> but like, if someone else brings that up and that's one of the joys of having these communications largely through Instagram is like, they have a sense of you going into it. And I, that for that aspect of it, I'm very grateful. Mm. It is a good feeling when you are the host of a show and then your guest has a very poignant question for you. You know, it's it's yeah. it's always an amazing feeling. Yeah, and like we had so Rose McGowan was our guest during the third episode and that was like before the podcast had even launched and she's an old friend of mine and like I called her and I was like, "Will you do this for me as a favor?" And I was like, I want to do this. And I was like, obviously, we're going to talk about Harvey. But I was like, I really am interested in talking about Scream and Death Proof and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like her film catalog, and, you know, her her outfit that she wore with to Marilyn Manson to the MTV video music. Damn, a, cl- a classic. A classic. Yeah. And so that interview is one I'm like particularly proud of because, yes, we get into the Harvey of it all and we get into her the last uh, few years of her life in particular. But we also spend a ton of time just shooting the shit. And one of the things that I feel – I love Rose so much and I feel like in 
People have a sense of her as being a very serious and angry person. And she is. She is also <laughs> extremely funny. And, you know, I texted her the day before the interview and I said, I'm really excited. And she responded, hashtag me too. Like, that's, that's gross. And so I feel like that's one of the things that I hope to do with this podcast is like, give people a sense of the person as they thought they were, but then also sort of twist that a little bit and be like, you know, people can be complex beings and can be two things all at once, can be five things all at once. And I really want to show that aspect of humans that exists in celebrities and in all of us. I think that's important, though. I do think that that people get, you know, people contain multitudes. And if you can, if you can show that it's, it's interesting for everyone and it, and it, it's just, I don't know, it's like a look at like the human condition in some ways. Yeah, and it's like, I don't, she, we were, I asked her, I was like, what's the project that you get, have to talk about the most? And she was like, Charmed. And I was like, I don't really want to, I don't care about Charmed. I mean, no offense, I don't really want to talk about it. I was like, let's talk about your death scene in Scream and let's go deep. And it's like that sort of like, quote unquote niche subject. It's like, I love getting really specific with someone about an iconic moment. So like that to me is way more interesting than, us, yeah, you know, recounting like what was it like being on this show Charmed? It's like you've talked Charmed. About it a Let's times. talk about Charmed. Who's even on that? Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. Do her and Rose have beef? They do. <laughs> they do. But just like some regular shit, or like you made more money than me. I hate you. I don't know the ins and outs of it. It's it's all Googleable, but I know that they do not like each other. And I know I'll say this: I know that when Rose posts pictures from Charmed, she will tag Holly Marie Combs, and she will not tag Alyssa. Damn. Damn. It's kind of like like every opportunity to be like, I don't like you is like underlined. God, I love shit like that. Alyssa was just on the, um, on that live, the Instagram. Yeah. Z-Way show. Z-Way show. What, how did she do? Did she get destroyed or did she keep, keep it, keep it up? She didn't do great. However, I think who you, has done great though? You can't do great. That's the you nature can't of the do show. Great, but I alt- I do feel like you're better off to do the show because doing the show puts you in on the joke of yourself to an extent, even if you're actually not. It's like you really can't go on that show and bomb bomb because the whole construct of the show is built for you to bomb. So yeah. I actually mm. find someone embracing that to kind of be like, even if you don't do quote unquote well on the show, I don't want to say I respect you for going on. I wouldn't give it like that platitude, but like mm. I do. Think how, that how, do you, does... how do you bomb gracefully in a cool, interesting way? Yeah. Because and it's, it's inevitable. Like, it, it says something about you that you were like willing to be on the show and expose yourself in that way where it's like, I can't fully hate you. No, okay, that's, probably... that's fair. But the problem, I guess the problem with bombing or doing poorly on that show is you are potentially exposed as a terrible racist person versus like, oh, I, you know, we made fun of me for a while. But in my experience of watching her show, I mean, like the biggest thing I find is that it's less that these people are outright racist and more that they're not engaged in the work of Mm anti-racism or they don't have a network of black friends or so what more exposes itself is sort of like the bubble of fame um, Mm. than it does these people as like awful human beings. It more just sort of separates them from the humanity. that. Who was it that which guest asked her how many Asian friends she had? Oh God. Was that Bowen? I I think it was Bowen. Bowen. Oh, Bowen? 
That shit was fire. And she was like, it was, that's the only time anybody's ever gotten her. Literally the only time I've seen it. And she didn't know what to say. I mean, I think it's, I don't know. At at first I was really entertained by it. Now I'm like, I kind of know what's going to happen. You you know what I mean? To an Mm -hmm. extent. Um, but it's it's a very timely the whole thing is like really good for right now i think it's is, great is the but one of the funny things about it is like now it's getting all this traction like it's gotten all these she's gotten all these profiles now and everything mm-hmm. and she deserves them don't get me wrong one of the interesting things is like this show the the idea for this whole i don't know if you want to call it a show it's like it's counterculture but it's like by getting these sort of uh getting this sort of a-list recognition that it's getting it's sort of, I don't want to say it deflates the premise, but it's almost like the show, the 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 culture that the show was trying to comment on, it is now being included in said culture to an extent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's always a difficult thing when you set out to do something subversive and it ends up getting traction from kind the of like uh, Like Jesus and Miro doing one thing completely, and then that completely. kind of vibe. And now you yep. have a show that's on a network and now you have to be the thing that you've made fun of. Yeah, I mean, and another great, that's a great example. Another one is like, if you watch old school housewives, when they used to throw the wine glass, it was because they needed to throw the wine glass to get their <laughs> fucking point across. Yeah. And now they're throwing the wine glass because they understand that throwing the wine glass is a tentpole of the yeah. franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a different intent. Now, it's not to say I don't I still do appreciate a, a wine glass throw. Sure. But it's different. It doesn't it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't hit the same. But yeah. it's also but it's like a that great analogy. Yeah, the, all that stuff is like it. It you know, it's like these people are successful. It's almost like I, I, I they have to participate. Or how, where does the career go? Completely, you know, you know like, what I mean? Yeah, and it's like if I were her, it's like if Vanity Fair calls me up and they're like, "We want to profile you." Of course, you say yes. So again, it's like my criticism of, of it all actually has nothing to do with Z-Way so much as it does this whole system, which this system doesn't really allow for proper criticism because if mm-hmm. you criticize it properly enough you will get a claim for your criticism and then it, it sucks you right back in so it's kind of mm-hmm. like the ability to actually analyze this stuff without any sort of um cognizance towards clout is very difficult mm-hmm. you're telling me i get called out for it all the fucking time you know i mean it happens you know, if, if 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 you could go to jail for not liking stuff, I'd be doing hard time. <laughs> uh, I'd be in the slammer. Um, you know, but that, that's that's where we are, I, I think. And and I mean that stuff. Like, but what happens in particular with her is like, does that go on TV eventually? Like, what is the, what happens to that? Like, how big could it actually get? I'm really interested because I feel like this is the moment where it's like. You want to, it's like you feel like something's got to happen. You see her following, growing so quickly. Yeah, exactly. But then the question is like, does it go to like, she gets a show on Quibi, which is like just this same thing? Mm-hmm. Or do you really parlay that into like a writing gig on a show? It's like, do you mm. parlay the thing that people liked about this into something bigger? Or do you make this the thing? Doesn't she, doesn't she write, doesn't she write for Jesus and Mira? I believe she does, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, yeah. but it's like, do you take this moment and like, do you use the cachet that comes with this moment to do something aligned with exactly mm-hmm. what made you? Oh, have I see. This is is this your thing, or is this the thing that sends you on to the real thing? Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, well, you know, if if we knew the answer to that, we wouldn't need a manager. 
Right. But like to her credit too, it's like, it's all about booking because it's like, again, like one thing I'm dealing with right now is like, so I had a friend, I don't want to say her name because it might happen, but a friend of mine was going to do the season two premiere of the show and we Instagram DM'd about it. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reach out to my manager and we'll, and we'll get it on the calendar. And I just got this email from the manager this morning being like, oh, she has nothing to promote right now when she does we'll set this up mm-hmm. and it's like a tale as old not, as time. Yeah. It's like, that's not that we're not, we're not here to promo anything and, and we're just shooting the ship. But like, this is the thing. It's like these barriers exist that what, one of the fun things about what she's doing is she seems to be circumventing barriers and mm-hmm. that will always be exciting to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And that can circle back to, you know, the good version of a good guest on that is somebody who you can tell is excited and wants to be on there versus somebody who is going on there because somebody told them it's a good idea. And, you know, that you can kind of tell. Completely. Evan, um, thank you for joining us, King. Thank you. I just want to say, like, I love this show so much. I'm an avid listener and it's an honor to be invited. Oh, no, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. You're yeah, hilarious. God bless this, this you. Is, yeah, this is great. Honestly, this was this was very so fun. So you said and season two of your podcast comes out in September. September, yeah. But I mean, anyone anyone can backlog the first season because it's not it's not um, time sensitive at all. Mm. But if nothing else, evergreen I mean, content. Yes, yes, listen to my podcast. But more importantly, at Sarah M Geller on Instagram, <laughs> you hit that follow button for the real queen. <laughs> We okay. need to get Sarah Geller army numbers up. Is, yes, is your main? Exactly, yes. You're a very selfless person, Evan. God bless Has, you. Hashtag Buffy's army. Um, yes. And Evan, but where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Evan Rostkatz. I'm trying to use Twitter significantly less, so I am much more active on the Instagram and on the Instagram stories. Yeah, your wow. Instagram is a good combination of a normal Instagram that somebody would have, and then just pictures of hot people. Yeah, it's important. It's cool to do that. I just feel like hot people need representation. You know, Mm -hmm. it's about time they got a fair shake in this fucking world. Exactly, and I wanna, I wanna be, you know, a catalyst uh, for that, for that change. God bless you, Evan. Well, thank you for doing the show. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you both. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Later.